Hey, good morning, folks. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to you guys. Welcome to our online folks. Hey, you know, usually, Pastor, I, you know, we here in person welcome the online folks. Because we're in mask lockdown, let's have the online people welcome these folks. If you guys could just listen in and see if they clap for us. I didn't hear it, but maybe they did it. Maybe they did it. Hey, hey, welcome, welcome. Thank you guys for, um, you know, the, uh, thanks for coming, just for being here. And uh, just a happy belated Thanksgiving to you all, just a special time. You know, I want to share with you guys just, um, I want to enter into uh, just a prayerful time, if we could, um, especially on the heels of Thanksgiving. If we could just bow our heads, let me just pray a simple prayer for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you acknowledging our need for you. But Lord, we also, um, we want to hear from you this morning. And Lord, I just pray for those who are gathered here today in person and online. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us clearly. And Lord, I just want to pray a special prayer as we pray that prayer. Could we pray for someone that we know, someone that maybe you've come to church with? Pray for them as well. Pray for someone maybe back home or across the country that needs a prayer. Pray for them that they too will hear Jesus speak to them today. And not through my words, not through my stories, but through your word and your stories. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said very loudly, amen, amen, amen. Okay, so I got to share some stories with you, okay? Um, we, we thought we had more time, but really, I thought we had more time. My wife was pregnant with our first child. The baby was not due until six weeks. Um, we were taking this Lamaze class, and I was just a jokester in this Lamaze class. I was not caught up in my reading. I thought we had more time. And in fact, the Lamaze folks said, you know, your first baby probably going to come later than the due date. You got some time. At four, four o'clock in the morning, my wife shakes me and says, I think my water broke. And, and you know, if I'm trying to be funny, a nanosecond before those words registered, I knew my wife's water broke. Um, and so we, we start scrambling, oh my God, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. We're not ready, I'm not ready. I still have the Lamaze book by my bedside table. I'm like four chapters behind. Um, so we, we scramble, we, we try to you know, put a bag together. Um, again, we thought we had more time. I, it, no exaggeration, I grabbed the Lamaze book from the bedside table. Maybe I could catch up during the, the event. Um, we were living at, um, over near Kipling and Ken Carl at the time. This is 28 years ago. We're living over there. It's, if you know where the sledding hill, hill is, we live just north of there. And we're racing to Swedish Hospital. And on the way, we realize, oh my gosh, we, don't, we have a girl's name picked out, but we don't have a boy's name picked out. And we're like, okay, okay. And, and you know, with the pressure of a baby coming, you know, all inspiration goes out the tube. So we, we, we panicked. We start looking for road signs for inspiration. <laughs> no exaggeration. Kipling, that's not a bad name, is it? Wadsworth. And then we were digging really deep. How about Bowles? And you can pronounce that a few ways. Um, <laughs> the theme in Advent this year is what's in the name? What's in the name? And by the time we got to Swedish Hospital, we had picked out our son's name, who came later that morning, Jacob, Jacob Thomas, Jacob Thomas Hess. But what's in the name? What's in the name? And the simple answer, and I, guess you, I want you guys, to, this is a lot of audience participation today. The simple name, um, what's in the name? The simple answer, theologically correct answer, repeat after me, a lot. What's in the name? 
Oh, you guys have to do much better than that. I could hear the online people. What's in the name? Thank you, thank you. If I throw out some names of people, what pops into your head? Winston Churchill, Peyton Manning. There's a theme here. Winston Churchill, Peyton Manning. Mother Teresa, Tom Hanks, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Oprah Winfrey, Billy Graham, Brene Brown, Mr. Rogers, Dr. Seuss, Adele. If you recognize some of those names, images or stories pop into our heads, don't they? Things they may have done or said or movies they were in or books they, they've written. What's in a name? What's in a name? Names you don't know but have rich meaning to me. Friends and neighbors that loved me, encouraged me when I was a kid growing up. Mr. Swedborg, Mrs. Basil, Mr. Seal, my Uncle Bill. Friends I grew up with that walked with me trying to figure it all out. Richie Swedborg, Larry Hall, Brian Cook, and friends who had an influence on me at college as we tried to enter into the adult world. Mike Cacavano, Chris Nash, Steve Miller. And then adult friends who walked with us, my wife and I, as life happened around us. Bruce Erickson, Kip and Luann White, Bill Brown, Bob Harney, Gary Knutson. What's in a name? What's in a name? A lot. Thank you. Thank you. The one person in the back. Thank you very much. <laughs> we, we have kids' names and famous names and familiar names. There's also brand names and fancy names for our coffee and nicknames and some names maybe we wish we could forget. What's in a name? What's in... <laughs> let, let me do the second one, okay? Thank you. <laughs> you, get, you get an advent point, okay? <laughs> What's in a name? What's in a name? A lot. Okay, it can be rhetorical now. You don't have to answer anymore, okay? <laughs> oh, when, I think of, when I think of that person now, like, a name pops up on my cell phone. And I was on another call when the call came in. And I hadn't spoken to this person in a while. And my first thought, I hope everything's okay. Ever get that feeling? And I call them right back once I finish my phone call. They say they, they found something. They think it's cancer. They need to do more tests. What's in a name? What's in a name? And now when I think of that person, I think of their story, their battle. And I'm reminded once again, over and over again, how quickly life can change, can't it? What's in a name? What's in a name? What, what's, what's in God's name? What about God's name? From God's word, this is from Philippians 2.9. And I, there's 60, my last count, there's 66 books in the Bible. This message is going to touch 55 of them, so don't, don't, don't get too hung up on trying to keep track. But if you keep track of one, this is one, Philippians 2, 9, okay? And the words will be up on the screen. From God's word, from St. Paul, Therefore God exalted him, therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that if the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under their earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One more time. Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Audience participation again this morning. Um, Kids Sermon 101 hint. 
Every time I used to do a bunch of kids' messages back, back in the day at another church, and it was my, one of my favorite things to do. I loved talking with the kids. And the answer to every question I would, would ask was always Jesus. So just take that as a hint. Ready? Here we go. What's the name above every name? Jesus. Oh, you guys, are so, you guys are with it. Thank you, online folks, for doing the same. It is Jesus, but it's not just Jesus. The significance here is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's fuss with that some, okay? From Exodus, when God asked Moses to go speak to Pharaoh and the Israelites, Moses asked God, who shall I tell them sent me? What's, what's your name, God? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That, that is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you to me. And in Hebrew, I am translates to Yahweh or Y-H-W-H. We throw in some vowels and we come up with the word Yahweh. I am has sent me to you. Yahweh has sent me to you. And God, as the great I am in the Old Testament, connects to the I am statements in the New Testament. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's in the name? What's in the name? Okay, more audience participation. Hebrew lesson this morning. Could I have you guys repeat after me? Um, Im, Anu, El. One more time. Im, Anu El. Im in Hebrew is with. Anu is us. El is God. We're short for Elohim. And when we use the word El, it means the power and the, the might of God. It's where we get our word Emmanuel. God with us. From the prophet Isaiah long before Jesus came, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Im Anuel. Im Anuel. Emmanuel. It's not just a word, it's a sentence, it's a faith statement. More on Isaiah. For us, and this is a Christmas text we use all the time, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What's in the name? What's in the name? The prophecy from long ago begins to play out in Luke's gospel. The angel, the angel Gabriel went to her, to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And then that first Christmas night, some shepherds in some no-name field near the town of Bethlehem gets this crazy light show. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What's in the name? What's in the name? And Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ in Greek, Messiah in Hebrew, they both mean the anointed one. They both point to Jesus' destiny, his role as Savior, the one the prophets from of old wrote about, and not just Christ, but Christ the Lord. The words from the prophet Jeremiah fulfilled. 
The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is right and just in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which, this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. What's in the name? What's in the name? What's in God's name? The Lord is our righteousness, our rightness. If there's anything right in us, it is God working in and through us. It is God's righteousness, God's rightness. When we do church close to being right, it is not us. It's God working in and through us on our own. There's not much rightness, not much righteousness. Pastor Ike shared about this marriage conference we had last weekend, last Friday and, and Saturday. Resist the drift. My wife couldn't make it, so she sent me, and I took copious notes. <laughs> Came home, I said, babe, you take care of these things, we're going to be okay. <laughs> I've been sleeping on the couch the last three days, but it's not so bad. <laughs> Since the beginning of time, as humans, we seem to have this natural tendency to drift, to drift away from each other, to drift away from God, from the truth from the righteousness of God, from the rightness of God. We are drift people, aren't we? On our own, we are broken, sinful, knuckle-headed people. My wife and I, Cindy and I, were on a walk early morning this past week, and we saw two flocks of birds. One was this flock of geese flying across the early morning sky in this beautiful V. The other flock was this mass of starlings, maybe 50 of them, just flying in this chaotic mass. You go this way, I'll go this way. They were just all over the place. On our own, we're not the geese. On our own, we're this mess of starlings going every which way. That's us. That's how we operate. From Isaiah, for, for all we are like sheep, we have, gone ast- we have gone astray, each to his or her own way. The Lord is our righteousness. Let's fuss with that song. What does, what does the righteousness, what does the rightness of God look like? From Romans, from St. Paul, this righteousness from God through faith in Jesus Christ, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference. Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned, for all have sinned, that's us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, we can't escape that. We're all knuckleheads. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Pastor Ike touched on this last Sunday. The high priest in the temple would take the most perfect, spotless lambs presented to them and sacrifice them as a sin offering. And the Jews believed that the blood of these perfect, spotless lambs, when sacrificed, would wash away, would take away their sins. What's in the name? What's in the name? John the Baptist calling Jesus the Lamb of God, foretelling Jesus' role on the cross. Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the only perfect, unblemished human, the only one without sin, is condemned to the cross. Jesus goes to the cross at the hands of the high priest on our behalf to take away our sin, and not only our sin, but the sin of the world. What's in the name? What's in the name? Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How do we embrace the righteousness, the rightness of God? I think it starts by acknowledging our brokenness, 
our tendency to drift, our knuckleheadedness. The churchy word is to repent. That really just means to stop going in, in our direction and turn back, stopping the drift and going back towards God. From 1 John, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive, deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we are purified from all unrighteousness, if God wrings out all our unrighteousness, we are made right. We are made righteous. Made right with God. And again, not by anything you or I have done, but all what God has done in and through Jesus. The Lord is our righteousness. Those who are made right by Christ are in Christ. I can do all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's in a name? What's in a name? And here's what St. Paul tells us. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In John's Gospel, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, you can do amazing things. Apart from me, not so much. What's in the name? What's in the name? I've shared this with some of you folks um, before. Two most honest groups I believe in our church, AA on Saturday morning and Grief Share on Tuesday night. Hi, my name is Sue. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name is Chuck. I lost my wife to cancer. Honest, surrender to something bigger than ourselves, than, our, than themselves, be it alcohol or grief, no BS. Folks coming before God and each other, admitting on their own, this is really, really hard. Admitting their great need of mercy and grace. From James, God is against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And nothing humbles us like coming face to face with an addiction face-to-face with the death of a loved one. What's in the name? What's in the name? In John's Gospel, John often refers to Jesus as the Word, capital W. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then skipping down a few verses, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Im Anuel, God with us. Is it true? Is it true now? just as it was years ago in the promise of the future. Do we believe that? Do you and I ever have doubt? Questions that have come to me in the last months. What did I do to deserve this? And not in an accusatory way, what, really believing, what did I do to deserve this? Or why, why me? Or where was God when this happened? Do you ever struggle with your faith? Me too. John the Baptist from, pri- from, from prison, the one who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. Asking Jesus through some friends, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? John the Baptist having doubts. Are you the Christ? Are you really the Messiah or not? This is not how I thought this was going to play out. When I put my faith and trust in you, I thought this would be different. Anybody ever share those thoughts? And Jesus tells John's friends, Jesus tells us too, 
Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And all of us are poor at some level, aren't we? Another story, Jesus is on the way to somewhere with his knucklehead disciples, and I love his knucklehead disciples because they're just like me, maybe like us. Jesus asked them, who do you say, who do they say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you're, you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus turns to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter steps, as, and Peter steps up as a leader, and he says, you are the Christ. You are the one. And Peter gets it that day, but we know he blows it near the end. When things got tough, he denied even knowing Christ. Didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And here's my prayer for all of us when we struggle and have doubts and forget who Jesus is. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Could I have you guys repeat that after me? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And sometimes we believe 75% and there's 25% doubt. But sometimes there's 1% belief and 99% doubt. Went and visited. Went and visited Gene Robinson yesterday. And she's close to being with Jesus. And when I met her son, Brian, she said, Mom's always been scared of dying. And I said to Brian, me too, me too. Um, and as we prayed for Jean, she was um, more out of it than she was with it. But she kept saying over and over again, let go, let go, let go. And I wasn't sure if that was a prayer to herself saying let go or if it was a prayer to her family to let go. I borrow this story from Max Lucado. There's a small cathedral outside Bethlehem that marks the supposed birthplace of Jesus. Behind a high altar in the church is a cave, a little cavern lit by silver lamps. And you can enter the main part of the cathedral and admire this old ancient church. But you can also enter the quiet cave where a star is embedded in the floor, recognizing the birthplace of Jesus, the King. There is one stipulation, however, you have to stoop. The door in the cave is so low you can't go in standing up. I believe the same is true of the Christ. You can see the world standing tall, but to witness the Savior, you have to get down on your knees. Remember that first text we looked at. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and confess with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. What's in the name? What's in the name? Christmas night, a few years back, we were driving back from Cindy's grandfather's home in Castle Rock. And we were going to Cindy's mom's home uh, in Aurora. And we were taking the back roads, driving east from Castle Rock to Franktown, Highway 86, if you know that road. Just east of town, the road cuts through some rock. And it's narrow without much shoulder. Two cars coming the other way, we're going, we're going east. One starts to try and pass this tight, in this tight section of road. It's, again, it's one lane either way, no passing lane. And we're coming the other way, no place to go. And this word Jesus just comes out of my mouth, and it's not 
a usual expletive from me. The car that's trying to pass backs off and gets back in their lane. Was it an answer to my one-word prayer or somebody just coming back to their senses? Or both? What's in a name? What's in a name? We pray in Jesus' name, don't we? And God promises that we can move mountains with only the, the faith the size of a mustard seed. And sometimes we say to God, I, I don't have that much. All I've got is half a seed. And God says, okay, get with someone else that might, might have another half a seed and go move the mountain. We worship in Jesus' name. God's word reminds us that when we worship, when we come together in Jesus' name, wherever, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be also. We baptize in Jesus' name. The second service today, we're going to baptize um, two brothers. And we follow Jesus' instructions and we'll baptize those kids in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's in a name? What's in a name? We pray, we worship, we baptize, and we hope all in Jesus' name. Pastor, I mentioned it in the announcements, Advent starts today. We light the Advent wreath. That first candle is the candle of hope. And Advent is it's this season, if you're not used to that word or familiar with that word, it's this season right before Christmas. Advent comes from a Latin word that means coming or time of preparation. It's a time when we remember and celebrate Jesus' first coming to us in the manger, but it's also a time of anticipation when we remember Jesus' promise that there will be a second coming. The promise of hope. Hope in the name of Jesus, Christmas hope, but also Easter morning hope. The empty tomb reminds us no matter what happens, there's hope in the name of Jesus. To wrap this up, I'm wondering if this Christmas season, this Advent season, we could use this time instead of madly getting ready for Christmas, could we slow it down a notch or three or seven? This time of year, we're usually, uh, we go into the scramble mode, don't we? To get the house ready, to buy the gifts, to put up the tree inside, to set up the lights outside. This year, I wonder if we could slow it down some and make some room, create some space in our lives for Christ, for Jesus. I wonder if we could do a time tithe. You know, tithe means 10%. I wonder if we could, on our Christmas list, on our to-do list, if we could just take a tenth of what we're supposed to do and just park that this year. Does it really have to happen? Will Christmas not be the same if we don't do that? Too often because of busyness, because of my busyness, we often say, sorry, no vacancy, no room in the inn, no room in my heart. We miss out or burn out. Or we just stop coming. I believe in my heart. I am personally at a crossroads. because I struggle with this busyness, and maybe you do too, and I know I need to make some changes. There's, we, know, we all know this. There's, you turn on the news, any news feed, there's crazy stuff happening in the world. That holiday parade outside of Milwaukee, the flash mob lootings in California, the two shootings right here in our backyard in Aurora, COVID still in our midst, there's also stuff going on in here, in my head, and here, my heart, that's just as crazy and unsettling and broken. I believe as a church, I believe as a church we are at a crossroads also. 
I believe we are a people of God. We are at a crossroads. Our families are at a crossroads. As individuals, we are at a crossroads. And there's a scripture that talks about crossroads. And I believe God is talking to many of us in and through these words. These words are not going to be up on the screen. This is from Jeremiah 6.16. If you take away anything, if you go back to any scripture, see if you can go back to Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says through Jeremiah the prophet. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. One more time, Jeremiah 6.16, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Anybody here this morning at a crossroads? Anybody here need some rest for your souls? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. What's in the name? What's in the name? Can we help remind ourselves and each other that there is something big going on all in the name of Jesus? That there is hope and love and faith, faith and peace and power and grace in and through the name of Jesus. But we can so easily miss it, can't we? Im Anuel, God with us. Not just long ago, not just in the future, but God present here in our midst and here in our hearts right now. Emmanuel, God with us in the storms. Emmanuel, God with us in the struggles. Emmanuel, God with us in the rejection. Emmanuel, God with us in loneliness. Emmanuel, God with us in the cancer battles. Emmanuel, God with us in our fears and our grief and our COVIDs and all of the stuff. Emmanuel, God with us at our crossroads. As we transition to communion, I want to leave us with a prayer. And maybe it's a prayer we can use regularly during this Christmas season just to help us slow down a bit, to help us to be still and remember that God is God. I'm going to share it a few times, and then I'll expand on it a little bit, and I want you guys, if you can, to pray it with me. Um, Christ above me, Christ above me, I am rooted. No, I'm sorry. Christ above me, I receive. Christ below me, I am rooted. Christ around me, I am connected. Christ within me, I am called. One more time. Christ above me, I receive. Christ below me, I am rooted. Christ around me, I am connected. Christ within me, I am called. One more time. Christ above me, I receive. Christ below me, I am rooted. Christ around me, I am connected. Christ within me, I am called. You know, I think part of that prayer is just to have our eyes open enough to see where God is working 
And then to be grateful for all that he is doing in and through us, in and around us, in and above us, uh, in and below us, in and around us, and in our hearts. Um, the Lord is our righteousness. Um, you know, I think when we come to communion, we come as broken, hurting people. But I want to I wanna remind us that we leave the table, if we believe, we leave the table healed and forgiven. I just want to set that as a tone as we come to the table this morning. I'm going to ask our elder to come forward. Our lone elder. She's a left-handed elder, so she gets both. Um, on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And after giving thanks and praise, he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which will be broken and given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup. Again, after giving thanks and praise, he gave the cup to his disciples and said, Take and drink. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. My blood will be shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, um, the stories shared this morning your word shared this morning just reminds us that you are with us. And Lord, you are with us in and through these elements. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray as we come to the table this morning that we can acknowledge that we are not right with you. But Lord, your word will make us right. These elements somehow make us right. We come broken, needing grace. And Lord, we leave forgiven and healed. I pray this over this gathered body this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. If we could pray the Lord's Prayer together, the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We're going to invite our deacons to come forward, our servers for communion. If you're new with us, if you're a guest with us, um, we come, all are invited to the table. We have sort of a two-cup system. It's sort of, it's as complicated as we could make it just to challenge you guys. Um, but we also give you grace. The first cup has got the juice. The bottom cup has got the bread. If you separate those, take the bread and the, and the juice. We'll come up and receive and then come back to your seats and receive there uh, together. Um, again, all are welcome. These two center sections come towards the center aisle and, and go to the table in the back around. The two window sections go towards the windows and around. If you mess it up, it's going to be okay. We invite you still, okay? The table is set. Please come.